0: Hey, guys, if you would like to get to know each one of us better, go
1: check
2: out Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com. Or the app. Get the app. That's better. Okay. Listed
1: in the show notes on the support link. I've been tempted, almost drifted, far from the shepherd. But I'll keep my focus right on Jesus, set my
2: sights on home. I can get distracted cause the fact is
1: this ain't where I belong. I've got more on my mind.
2: welcome to it, everybody. My name is Devin Birdsong. This is the Pad Me Podcast we got a studio full today.
0: It's standing room only in here. Yeah,
2: that's right. It's a a special day. It's an add-on to an episode that was already very good. But Brother Brad and Brother Dustin's like, please.
0: (laughs) We felt left out.
2: Please, can we? Uh, Let's do this to start off with. Brother Dustin, I want you to just kind of share something on your heart. About the Sumners, and I would like for um, our brother Sumner here. We're, we're in the studio, studio four, brother Scott Sumner. He's our guest today. Uh, we've been talking about this episode for a good while, but I would like for you to say something in English and have him to interpret what you say. Okay, it's it's a different twist.
0: Yeah, it's not than, really what it's not what I'm used to. <laughs> but, <laughs> He's already started. Let's. <laughs>
1: Uh, I would like to say It has been a very great pleasure of ours To have him and his wife In service with us
0: tonight Brother
2: Brad Does that sound anything like what Dustin does?
1: <laughs> it does not <laughs> <laughs> and now that I'm here, it did then. It honestly did. Yeah. He, now it doesn't. He no, owned it. He did. He no, totally Devin, owned.
0: can we turn that around? <laughs> I say something in Yes, I actually, interprets. <laughs> I actually want to. I
2: actually think that would be great. I'm really glad to be here.
0: <laughs> A lot of You're pressure. you put me on the spot here. <laughs> yeah. And it's really glad to be on the Pardon me podcast. Milagra Milanda slotasa La Pisca. He said, Pardon me. Pardon me.
1: I can't anymore. No, no, it it, it do not ring as true as it did before. Oh,
2: man. This is a uh, kind of a different episode than we've ever done. Brother Scott's our once-a-month guest. He and I met here a few weeks ago at Gilbertown Camp Meeting, and I happened to throw in my uh, little travel and recording equipment and recorded the testimony of their family and the work in Honduras. It was Studio 12, 13, 14, something like that. I don't know. I've lost count. We sat down, and you shared with us how your family got into missionary work. It's a powerful, powerful story. After we stopped recording you shared with me the end of the story yeah. or what I, what i'm calling the end of the story but it, everything kind of came full circle for your family before your dad's passing so stay tuned brother sumner's going to share with us the rest of the story at the end it's very awesome
1: this world needs saving and my heart's aching to help the
2: uh welcome, Brother Scott. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> it's a privilege. In Studio twelve or fourteen. Yeah. You uh you preached this morning at the camp meeting and did outstanding and you gave honor to three pastors. Yes, I did. So you have three pastors.
0: I do. Do you mind
2: to share with our audience Absolutely. who they are? Absolutely.
0: Of course, we live in Honduras. All the time, but from time to time, we come out of the country into the States. Uh, so my Honduran pastor is my brother, mm-hmm. Brother Allen Sumner, pastors the Christ Gears Church there. And then uh, my stateside pastor is Brother Bill Parks. Oh,
2: yeah. Great Our man. home
0: church is House of Prayer there in Tulsa. Yes, sir. Tremendous man. and Outstanding. And tremendous people. And uh, then my third pastor is my virtual pastor, Brother Devin Birdsong. You may have <laughs> met him before.
2: <laughs> <laughs> when you said that this morning, it really helped me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. <laughs> uh, it is a privilege to have you here today. And I have heard of you guys over the years. Probably the first formal meeting with you would be earlier this year at brother Mikey Maxson's Wednesday. Me, brother Dustin and brother Brad were all three there. And uh, there was a little bit of reluctance after our Christmas missionary episode to see how that was uh, going to go, but it all went well. And then uh, I saw you again at Bristow and you right. you said, uh, how's my virtual pastor doing? We've right. referenced that a couple of times on the podcast. Well, I appreciate that. So, um, <laughs>
0: that, that is heartfelt well i appreciate you know, when i say you're my virtual
2: pastor i appreciate just, it yeah. you were uh you were very kind and shared with us that the uh the humor is kind of what spoke to you through the podcast so
0: yeah i i like to find the humor in the lessons of life sure. and uh pod me has a way of bringing that across well to get My, my humor fix, if you would. Uh, I love to listen to Pod and me and uh, also the spiritual side of what, uh, from time to time.
2: Yeah, few uh, and far between.
0: (laughs) Yes, the spiritual side is, is a great blessing as well, and I haven't heard all of the episodes of The Special Guest, but I've heard several, and they've been a tremendous blessing to me. I don't remember which episode it was, but it was several months ago, and I was listening to one of your guests as you were interviewing him, and he was exhorting some things from the Word of God, and... During that podcast, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me concerning an attitude, concerning something that needed to be fixed in my personal life. Wow. And as I was listening to Pod Me, I broke down in tears and just asked God for His help and for His forgiveness. Hmm. And he gave that to me, and so there's there's two aspects of this podcast that are really great, and obviously the greatest one is the spiritual. So sure. I want to thank y'all for
2: what you do. That is very kind. It's humbling to me to hear those kinds of things, and to God be the glory for Amen. it. We Amen. we make a joke out of uh, false humility, but anybody who really knows me, I th- this whole thing blows me away. I can't believe anybody listens and if if there's good done for't believe I
0: listen either but
2: <laughs> if there's good done to God be the glory for I, it
0: I believe I know there is yes well, amen
2: and it has been a neat way for me to get to meet all sorts of people My whole goal is to highlight somebody else's talent. Even what we do on a regular basis, I right. tell I tell everybody I know, brother Brad and brother Dustin are some of the most talented, funniest people I know.
0: Absolutely, and
2: you know other people that have contributed. I love it. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today. It's my honor. And even even though it's in a uh, a studio in Alabama, I think it's going to work. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to um, to. Share some things with us. For those of you that don't know uh, the Sumner family, they've been in mission work for many years. That's what they do full time. And there's been some great things by the hand of God uh, done through, through your efforts and your family's effort. So kind of, if you want to just give us a brief overview of how it all started.
0: Going way back, my mom was raised in a United Methodist church. When her and dad got married, she was going to that church in Tulsa, and she was the official flower girl. That Mm. was her, her job on Sunday morning to make sure that there was a fresh flower arrangement there ready for the Sunday morning service. And mom thought that she was okay. But one day, a United Methodist, minister came, an evangelist and preached, you must be born again. Hmm. And my mom had never heard that before. The spirit of the Lord gripped her heart. She came to the altar and accepted Christ as her savior, just totally transformed her life. And as she was seeking God, a neighbor of hers invited her to a Pentecostal church in Tulsa, Lewis Avenue, Assembly of God. And so mom went with her and loved what she heard, loved what she felt, and she wanted more of God. And the Lord baptized mom in the Holy Ghost wow. and uh, made her a Pentecostal. <laughs> she <laughs> yes, was a sir. Methodist, but God made her a Pentecostal. And then she wanted that same thing, that same experience for my dad, who as a boy had known the Lord, but for many years had been away from the Lord. And so she would invite dad to come to church dad came every once in a while but one particular sunday morning they were in revival and my mother uh, wanted dad to come so he agreed that he would come for that sunday morning his usual routine was if he did go with mom that he would show up for church for a little while and then go outside and smoke his cigarette Hmm. But that morning, the evangelist, the preacher was preaching and the Spirit of the Lord was moving in the altar call. And a very tall man, a member of that church, went back to my dad. And dad was sitting on the last pew of that church there. And the man comes up to dad and puts his arm around his shoulder. And he says, Jake, why don't you come down and make things right with the Lord? And my dad tried to tell him in the most hateful way that he could muster for this guy to leave him alone. And my dad said, No. But the guy wouldn't give up. He kept praying, pleading, and said, Jake, why don't you come down? Give your heart to the Lord. Let the Lord change your life. Dad tried to say the second time in a more hateful way than he had said before, No. And the man kept praying. Before Dad knew, And realized what was going on. He was standing to his feet. He ran to the altar and fell across the altar and began to pray and to cry out to God. My dad hadn't shed tears since he was a boy. And it seemed like dad said that all the demons in hell were grabbing his jaw. So he couldn't utter the prayer of repentance. But before too long, he was able to open his mouth to cry out to god and to ask for forgiveness and for the first time in, in many years dad shed tears at that altar that morning and god radically changed my dad's life praise the lord and called mom and dad into the ministry My dad was working for American Airlines at the Mm -hmm. time. We were living the American dream. Mom and dad, you know, had good jobs, and we had a, a new home and new car in the driveway. We were doing well. But when dad got saved and the Lord called them into the ministry, they decided that they were just going to give it all to the Lord. And I remember my mom saying that their desire before the Lord, that they prayed, Lord, we'll go anywhere you want us to go. We'll do whatever you want us to do as long as we know what is your will. And so my dad turned in his resignation there at American Airlines. We sold our home. They were going to Bible school, Southwestern Assembly of God Bible School in Waxahachie, Texas. We sold everything, the home, the car. In fact, mom said later she even sold her can opener. Wow. And later on, had to go buy one because they were just so thrilled. They were selling everything to go into the ministry. They were Man. so excited. Now, uh, her mom and dad, my grandparents, they weren't excited at I would all. Say they not. were not Christians, and they did not see the viewpoint that my mom and dad did. Mm-hmm. But when we went, uh, spent our last night at that home in Tulsa, We slept on the floor, all of our furniture and the bed and everything had been sold. And uh, the next morning we loaded up into an old travel trailer that someone had given to us, had a sunroof in the back where you could stand on the back bed, poke your head up through the hole in the roof yeah. and look all around. <laughs> so my dad had to take care of that uh, that hole in the roof. But we were so excited to be working for the Lord, borrowed a, a bobtail truck to pull that trailer down to Waxahachie, Texas. My grandparents' last words to us as they saw us driving off were to my mom, my grandma said, I just hope... The boys have enough to eat. Wow. We went and uh, haven't looked back since.
2: So how did you guys get involved in mission work?
0: Dad made his first uh, missionary trip to Nicaragua. I believe it was in 1968 or 69 while he was still a student at Southwestern. And he went with a resident missionary from Nicaragua. Him and the missionary drove down through Mexico and Central America My dad had to bring that vehicle back by himself, not knowing any Spanish, uh, from Nicaragua back to the wow. United States of America, and Dad didn't know how to order food or anything. So uh, when he went to a restaurant, he got out a napkin, took a ballpoint pen, and drew a sketch of a chicken. Oh, and so wow. when the waitress would come, he just pointed to the napkin. So he wow, he, did he didn't starve going back to the U.S. But I think that was Dad's first exposure to the mission field. After Dad graduated from Southwestern, we went to Managua, Nicaragua, labored there for, I believe, five months. It was during the time of General Somoza's dictatorship. It was Mm -hmm. before the country fell to communism. My dad held an open-air crusade in that city of Managua. That was our first exposure as a family working in a foreign field. How old were you then? I was... Five years old.
2: Five years Um, old. So let's fast forward in the year 1990. You guys went into the country of Honduras.
0: My brother in 1989 was reading a National Geographic article. The title of the article was Honduras, the eye of the storm. Mm -hmm. And in that article, it brought out that there were refugees that were fleeing from the bordering countries around Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, Mm -hmm. and Nicaragua. And they were fleeing those war-torn countries and going to Honduras. And after reading that article, my brother, Brother Alan, showed that to my dad and myself. We felt God speaking to our hearts to go and to minister the gospel to these refugees. We found a An old Montgomery Ward delivery van, Mm -hmm. put some seats in it, put some air conditioning in it, loaded up a little eight-foot trailer Mm. in Oklahoma with our Bibles and uh, open-air campaign equipment, generator, sound system, lights. We didn't have kids at the time, so it was mom and dad, Alan and Paula, and Benita, my wife and myself. And uh, we loaded up and went to Honduras, not knowing a soul believing that God was sending us to preach to those refugees.
2: My goodness. And
0: so when we when we arrived in Honduras, it was January the 16th, 1990. We really didn't know where to start, praying about what to do. We were put in contact with the man, a retired Honduran army colonel, who was the man in charge of all of the refugee camps that the United Nations was running there in Honduras. We told him what our heart's desire was to go and to preach the gospel in these uh, refugee camps. And the Lord gave us favor with that man because he wrote out letters of permission for us to go to any camp that we wanted to and to preach the gospel.
2: What favor God will give when he lays a burden on your heart here in the the States and Just gives you a general direction as you're talking there. I think about what God dealt with Abraham to do when he told him to take Isaac, take him up to the mountain. And he said, go to the mountains of Moriah. Right. He just gave him a general direction. And there was three days he was seeking after knowing the general direction, and then things got more specific as he went along. And that really is, it it takes faith to do anything for God.
0: But it started with that initial call of leaving Ur of the Chaldees.
2: Sure, absolutely, yeah. And if my understanding is on the timeline, probably 50 years Mm -hmm. after Abraham had left Ur, he's still being tested with, will you follow my, my direction?
0: That's right.
2: So your main burden was is to maybe deal with the refugees out right. of another country.
0: Right. That, that, was, that was our initial burden when we went. It was an incredible experience going to these refugee camps. Because in one particular camp, the largest camp that we went to, there were thousands of people there. Some of the kids that were six, seven, eight years old had never left the perimeter of that refugee camp. They were born and had been raised there. So needless to say that we had to have someone drive our vehicle in the refugee camp while several others outside of the car cleared a path. My goodness. Because uh, the kids were pretty uncontrollable at times. But our focus was when we set up for an open air campaign was first of all for the children we had a children's crusade that would start at six o'clock that evening and our focus would be towards the children and we had puppets and special songs and activities during that time and while we were ministering to the children then mom and dad would start coming as well so the main evangelistic service would begin later on that evening
2: let's fast forward to a guy named reuben tell us about reuben
0: well, let me backtrack okay. to the refugee camp. While we were there preaching in those camps and we saw God do great things, many people come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And not only that, there were Christians, persecuted Christians that were in those camps that had fled Nicaragua because they had been, they had been threatened that if they did not renounce Christianity, They would be killed. Mm. So, not only were people saved, but the believers were encouraged Mm. through those efforts there in those refugee camps. But while we were there, we would hear different refugees talking about their family members that were a part of the Contras, a group of men and women known as the Freedom Fighters. President Ronald Reagan. Funded and his vision, his desire was to train these men and women in the United States. They're at Fort Benning, Georgia, mm-hmm. to send them back to Central America to the jungles of Nicaragua to fight against the spread of communism Mm -hmm. that was coming in from the island of Cuba, Mm -hmm. which was being influenced by uh, the Soviet Union in that decade, in the 1980s. And so this group of uh, men and women were a fighting, trained, capable force. They were doing a lot of good to stop the spread of communism in Central America we found out that that base camp for these Contra soldiers who were family members of these Nicaraguan refugees, they had their camp there in the jungles of Honduras, several hours away from where we were living. And so we really felt a burden to go and to preach the gospel to these Contra freedom fighters. And so we got the map out and found out where their camp generally was and So we made our way back there, eventually arrived at the camp. And our desire was to hold an open air meeting with the Contra soldiers. We needed permission to do that. Sure. So we asked who we needed to talk to. Someone directed us to the command facility which was up on top of the hill, and so they directed us to the road that we needed to take, so we started up the road and came up to a military checkpoint. They had a barrier across the road. They wouldn't let us pass, Hmm. so we really didn't know what to do. We were there needing to go on up past that area, and so as we were waiting, uh, really not knowing what to do, A vehicle, military vehicle pulled up and it was loaded with Contra soldiers in the back, had several uniformed soldiers in the front. And somebody in the cab of that truck gave the order for them to raise that barrier and they went on up. And also that person that gave the order told that guard, that armed guard there at that outpost, for them to let us pass as well. So once that military vehicle passed us, the armed guard motioned for us to go. So Hmm. thank the Lord there. There's our there's our entry. And so we made our way on up to the command facilities there. It was rough cut wood that comprised these buildings that were there. But after a while, uh, there is a man that came out of one of those buildings and came up to us and introduced himself as Commander Rubin. He was one of the five commanders of the entire fighting force of the Contra Army. He was a very gentle man and very kind. But as we were talking with him, just visiting, we hadn't even breached the subject of why we were there, Mm -hmm. what we wanted to do. But suddenly he looked at my dad and he said, I know you. You got to understand, we were in the middle of the jungle. Yeah. Talking to this very powerful and influential man, and he's telling my dad, I know you. It caught my dad off guard at first. Yeah. But then began to reminisce. And years before, when my dad had held that open air campaign in the capital city of Managua, Nicaragua, as I made reference to earlier, that man as a boy, had been in that campaign,
2: my goodness. little Reuben
0: grew up to be big Reuben, the one of the five commanders of the contra military fighting force and how
2: far down the road does God
0: work <laughs> exactly exactly so when we found out the details and I mean we we were in awe of sure uh, of what God was doing, but when Commander Reuben remembered my dad and no doubt had remembered. The gospel that had sure, been preached, sure. because he was there sure. as a boy, he opened up the doors of the contra camp to us. Wow! And uh, gave us VIP treatment as good as they could could out yeah. in the jungle. They gave us our own place to sleep and uh, sleeping on military cots and and uh, military hammocks. Gave us our own personal guide. And as someone to watch out for us and our, our own cook from Nicaragua. And, but the greatest thing was the liberty and the permission that we had to preach the gospel. Praise God. And preaching. I'm sorry. You're good. One of the greatest experiences that I've had in my life was to be able to preach the gospel along with my dad and my brother to those freedom fighters that many of them really didn't know what true freedom was about. Wow. To preach to them that there was a savior who came 2000 years ago and gave his life so that they could have true freedom. Amen. And to give the altar call and see some of them come to the front. Some still had their machine guns strapped Mm. to their back coming down to the altar and raising their hands up to heaven and asking the Lord to
2: forgive them. That's awesome. And uh, they they found true freedom. Yes, sir. Yes. Boy, there's nothing like it. And it amazes me, Brother Scott, that God worked so far down the road for years earlier to place a burden on your dad's heart to go to Nicaragua. And then knowing that will be what opens the door in Honduras in the early 90s. That's right. And you guys have been there ever since.
0: We have.
2: And the Lord has given you you a unbelievable door in the highest levels of the government. It's yeah, it's, it's it's unbelievable. And God be the glory. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And just sitting at the table with you here and hearing the passion in your voice and the humility that you guys all have is awesome to me, Brother Scott. It really touches Dude. me.
0: It, it's the Lord, and it's sure. it, it's a tremendous honor to carry the gospel. I mean, we've all been called to preach the gospel, to mm-hmm. take the gospel to our world. Yes, sir. Whether that's in Honduras, Central America, whether that's in Gilbert Alabama, sure. whether that's in Oklahoma, we have a message yes, that do. the world needs to hear. Yes, we do. And that message is the salvation message that Christ is the answer. He is. And we live in a world that is so full of doubt and fear and hopelessness. But thank the Lord for the opportunity that we have to tell the world that there is
2: hope. Well, listen to you preach this morning here at the camp meeting. When you're living in this world surrounded by, you know, what goes on here in America and you see how hard everything seems right? and everything looks like an impossibility doing a work for God, It it you said something in your message this morning that is for, with the Sumner family, you're the and Thomas of the Sumner family. <laughs>
0: but And my brother's the great man of faith. <laughs> yeah.
2: But that's, that's, that's how it looks when you're surrounded by everything. But then you back up and take a broader view yeah. of God and hearing how that the Lord led you guys. You know, when you're in the moment, it's really hard to see it really is. how big of a door that's being opened. But you guys have had an unbelievable door open to you. And
0: well, it, it's been a succession of open door. Mm hmm then open another open door, and then another open door. Because when we went to preach to the Nicaraguan refugees, God opened the door to the Contras. And through that door of preaching to the Contras and of traveling along the Honduran border with Nicaragua, we would stop and pass out tracts and Bibles to the Honduran soldiers that were there in their sandbag bunkers. Mm -hmm. And while we were passing the word of God out to these young men, God put in our heart a desire to preach to them, to preach on one of their battalions. And so we uh, asked one of the officers that we had made acquaintance with, his name was Captain Munoz. And we asked Captain Munoz about the possibility of, of preaching at one of the largest military army battalions called the ninth battalion hundreds of men that were stationed there and that's where he was from and we said uh we would like to come for one night that's all we asked for one night and preach to your soldiers hmm. and he immediately told us he said my commander colonel valencia he said he's a hard catholic man and he won't let you come. We just said, would you talk to him anyway? Mm-hmm. So he was gracious enough, and he did. And sure enough, the answer was that what he thought it was going to be, that uh, no, we couldn't come. So we went down the road to another uh, battalion, large battalion called the 6th Battalion, and talked to one of the officers there and said uh, the same thing. We would like to come and hold one service with your soldiers here. And his answer to us was, I don't have the authority to allow you to come, but we will talk to the commander and present this to him and see what he says. Come back in a few days. Actually, Brother Kevin Prysock was our first visitor to Honduras Mm -hmm. back in uh, 1991. And so Brother Kevin was with us on that trip when we went to ask for permission. So a few days later, we went back and talked to one of the officers at the 6th Battalion. And he said, we had the meeting with the commander and the commander said you could come. But he also said, we want to ask you, can you come every week and preach to our soldiers? We said, yes, we can. We knew the Lord was in it. So we began preaching to the soldiers at the 6th Infantry Battalion. God began to change lives. Praise God. The morale of the men started coming up. Hmm. We know that the gospel makes the difference. Yes, sir. Christ changes lives and he changes attitudes. Yes, sir. The people uh, perhaps that had been rebellious and uh, didn't want to follow orders. God was doing, doing a change at the 6th Battalion. Wow. Several weeks later, after we had started there at the 6th Battalion, we got an unexpected visitor at our house in uh donnelly honduras and it was the commander of the ninth battalion colonel valencia the hard catholic man who had told us before no you can't come to my base now god had touched his heart and he was coming to our house to ask us can you come to my battalion
2: my goodness
0: and preach (laughs) of course the answer was yes Yes, and so since 1991 We've been preaching at a place that the enemy had said before the doors closed. These are my people. This is my territory. Mm. And the gospel is not going to have an impact. But thank God
2: oh, it yeah. has. Man, I can hear the words of Apostle Paul saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Amen. Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes." Amen. Do my it goodness. First and also
0: to yeah. yes
2: yeah something else you shared in your message this morning really uh really touched my heart where jesus the creator mm-hmm. decided to build his church yeah instead of creating a church out of nothing right he decided to make nothings the lively stones that he builds the church yes. with that's a wonderful thought brother scott It's such a blessing to get to hear you preach. I want to go here. A few weeks ago, I tuned into a church in Virginia, not realizing that you guys were attending service there. Mm -hmm. They have put their services on YouTube. Scrolling through that service, I noticed that they had had you stand and testify, so I backed it up to the first of the testimony. The words that you said really, really touched me, and I want you to share that.
0: Sure. Several months ago, we were on our way to Sunday school. My mom, Brenda Sumner, was in the back seat, and she was reading her Bible, as she does so much when Mm -hmm. we travel. She just started reading the Word of God out loud, and she read the verse in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse number 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Then mom said... That was our verse when we were going through what we went through. My dad, Jake Sumner, uh, suffered from dementia, and he passed away uh, March 31st of last year, 2021. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, a very trying time. Mm-hmm. It was a hard struggle for them in the ministry sure. because they were dealing with things that at the time they didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And mom said that that was their verse. Several years before when the first effects of dementia were starting to be evident in my dad's ministry and trying to, you know, remember details, they were at Brother Bill Prescott's in Martinsville, Virginia, and they were staying in their guest house in their evangelist quarters. While they were there, they we're going through a time of questioning. What, what is going on? We mm-hmm. don't understand. My dad hadn't been diagnosed at that time. But as they were there in that guest house, they saw a beautifully framed scripture on the wall. And it was Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, friend. with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. <sighs> I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. It made such an impact the word of God, that one scripture upon my mom and dad's life, that they grabbed a hold of that verse. In fact, my dad pulled out a business card and wrote on the back of it in his own handwriting that scripture, Isaiah 41.10. So in all of their struggles, in all of their crying out to God in the midnight hour, not really realizing and understanding what was going on, my dad always carried that verse. In his wallet, Isaiah 4110, that he could pull it out whenever and read that. When my mom was telling us about that scripture on the way to Sunday school, she brought to mind something that I had forgotten that had happened when I was just a teenager. We were working in Mexico at the time, and we had been working with a local pastor and poured a lot of blood, sweat, tears, money into the work there. And uh, the pastor had turned out to be somebody that we didn't know. And he basically turned on us and our ministry. And it was a very uh, discouraging time, Mm -hmm. especially for my dad. We had our motorhome parked in the South Texas Valley behind a missionary print shop. And my dad one day came out of the motorhome there in the alley. He saw a woman that was walking towards him. Never seen her before. She came and stopped where my dad was, looked him in the eye and said, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. After that woman said that verse, she turned and continued walking. And my dad there stood there in that alleyway not knowing who she was Mm -hmm. or where she had come from but knowing the god of heaven had just spoken to
2: him yes sir wow and
0: so that key verse that was so real to them during my dad's sickness and trying times with dementia uh, really had ministered to them and to us as a family Years before. For years. And we just hadn't remembered that until my mom brought that my to goodness. our remembrance. I remember uh, a few years ago, not even realizing what had happened with my mom and dad there at the at the guest house there in Martinsville. My wife and I, our family were staying there. We were itinerating. And uh, we we had a, a lot of places still to go, a lot of services to do. And I remember sitting there in that living room, feeling overwhelmed, which we're human. Sure. And uh, sometimes just everything overwhelms us. Sure. And I was in prayer. And as I was praying, I took my vision and looked just to my left there. And I saw a beautifully framed verse that was hanging on the wall Isaiah forty one ten. fear thou not, for I am with thee. And it was as if God was speaking directly to me in that living room. And I told my wife what had happened. And I began crying. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had spoken to me. That's the power of the word of God. Amen. Whatever situation, whatever trial and struggle that we are going through, the word of God speaks to us. Amen. And God has a way of letting us know we don't need to fear. Sure. And in a time where the church is plagued with fear, Amen. fear of COVID sure. fear of the economic situation sure. that we are facing fear of potential war with China, fear, all of these things we have never faced such an unprecedented time of fear that is attacking us and the church. But the Lord's response to that is, fear thou fear not, thou not. Wow. for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And God's right hand never fails. You're
2: mighty right.
0: God's right hand always keeps his people in the palm of that hand praise God and thank God for the victory that we have for the hope that we have not only now, but for in the future, Amen. we don't need to fear. Wow.
2: What a, what a wonderful testimony. I feel the presence of the Lord Amen. talking. It moves me to think about who hung that picture. Yes. A small thing like that, that God would use to speak to someone in need. You know, it takes everybody for the work of God to go forward. Absolutely. Somebody hung that picture Somebody was obedient, whoever that was, that spoke to your dad down there That's right. in Texas. God had a messenger, and he will always leave himself a witness.
0: Well, a few months ago, I was just sharing that testimony at a church, and they, at the time, were without a pastor. Uh, I wasn't preaching. I mm-hmm. just shared that uh, that short testimony, and that church got a hold of Isaiah 41.10. Yeah and one of the deacons of that church told me that for weeks after that that practically everybody that stood and testified quoted Isaiah 41:10 hmm. the power of the word of god yes, to keep his people and to keep his church
2: his word is definitely something stable amen well i certainly appreciate you coming on the podcast today it's been my honor yeah i i i felt the presence of the lord as we've mm-hmm. talked and you're always bettered when you sit down and talk about the word of God and the work of God Amen. and his work is so much bigger than any one person. I'm just honored to be a part of it. And I'm honored Amen. to know you, brother Scott.
0: Well, I'm honored to know you as well. And I just want to encourage you and I'm a virtual song leader and my virtual deacon. <laughs> yes, sir, brother Brad and brother Dustin. Y'all just keep doing what you're doing because it's a blessing to many people
2: i hope so i hope so well god bless you we would like for you to come back sometime would love to
1: i'm thinking about this world less and less Seeking the
2: so now that we've heard god, the best part of it I when it was just me and brother Sumner, right right yeah <laughs> so now that we've heard that brother brad what's your takeaway
1: I thought it was a, a great episode, great interview, brother Dustin and I out. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we passed the test, brother Scott. <laughs> yeah, that's good news. Honestly, there was a, a part I was I was laying on my bed listening to this, and when brother Scott was talking about his mom coming to church and, and getting saved, there was a phrase he used that, and it, it's a pretty common thing, and I don't know why it jumped out at me. He said that she wanted more of God. When I was laying there, it was actually this afternoon, and I just broke down. Cried, I don't. I mean. That's that's not a super profound thing, but just when you said that and the hunger that she had, she wanted more God i just it just really struck me, and I know it has nothing to do with your your mission work. I guess that was the start of the work for the family, but right. it just made me think what do i what do I want more of Yes, sir, and there's so many things that i mean I think the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people is money mm-hmm. I want more money, I want more whatever it is I want more time to spend on my hobbies, I want more whatever it is and just that phrase, she wanted more of God, that just really helped me today and yeah, got a hold of my heart.
2: There's several things in the testimony that really touched me. I guess probably the most profound thing for me is, Brother Scott, when you shared what it was like to give the gospel out. Yeah. It was very emotional being in the room there with you, and, and you got emotional about it. After all these years, for you, your brother, your family to be so carried away with just telling the good news of the gospel is tremendous.
0: Well, it's the greatest calling, and uh, I, I know people aspire to be in certain political positions and certainly don't have anything against that, but the greatest calling that we have as children of God is to be able to share the gospel, Amen. carry the gospel, the difference of darkness and light of the power of Satan and people knowing the power of God. Amen that's no, it's life transforming and just to be a part of that is just an awesome experience. It's the greatest privilege
2: well why don't you share with us the rest of the story for your father? as I mentioned during the testimony that I gave
0: about how we started in the ministry way back when it kind of came full circle in The end, towards the end of my dad's life, and as I had mentioned, my dad suffered with dementia. And the last few weeks of dad's life, he he was in several hospitals. And during those times, uh, wherever he was, although dad was suffering with the effects of dementia, uh, he was still a man of God. Uh-huh. Wherever he was, he was preaching and telling people about Christ. And we had several comments from nurses that said, your dad has been preaching rather loudly. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the nurses, she was had a foreign accent. I don't really know where she was from. Uh, I believe some Latin country. But she said, uh, your father is preaching uh, very loudly preached, just like Billy Graham. <laughs> there was one, one patient that came up to me in the hospital where dad was. And she told me, she said, I love your dad. And she said, he's a man of God. And I, I thanked her for that. But the last uh, few weeks of dad's earthly existence here in this world, he had had a very special friend, his best friend, that was his former boss at American Airlines. And uh, this man was a Christian. And before my dad knew the Lord, this man was an influence in my dad's life. And so they were good friends for many years. But when uh, he passed away, when uh, my dad's friend passed away, he deeded, he willed his beautiful three-bedroom, two-bath home to our ministry. And so the last few weeks of dad's life, dad spent those in that beautiful home. That's where he was on hospice. And uh, my brother and I, Brother Alan, we would alternate along with different family members to go in and be with dad and if he needed us, uh, we tried to be there. But one particular time when I was in there with dad, just me and him, dad didn't realize I was there. But dad, about four o'clock in the morning, I could hear him praying. Oh. Dad's prayer to God in the early morning hours was, God, use me. Oh. And There he was, 83 years old, dying, and he was asking for God to use him. Wow. And he really did. I didn't realize what was going on then as far as God's blessing and how God was bringing things around for my dad and for our ministry, for us to observe. But later on, I got to thinking that when my dad passed away, he passed away in a beautiful brick home over 50 years before mom and dad had sold their new brick home in Tulsa to go into the ministry, sold their new car and basically everything that we had, even the can opener. Yes, (laughs) sir. I mentioned that mom had to go back and buy another one later. But when my dad passed away, there was practically a new car sitting in the driveway because a few months before when my brother and his family were at a church The pastor walked up after the Sunday morning mission service that they held, and the pastor said, there's a brother here that wants to talk to you. So the man gave my brother a piece of paper, and Brother Allen looked at it, and he said, what's this? The brother said, well, this is the title to that Ford Expedition that's parked out there in the parking lot. And my brother looked out there, and there was practically a new SUV, beautiful vehicle that was still under factory warranty and this brother said the lord told me to give this to your ministry so when my dad passed away he passed away in a beautiful brick home with a practically new car sitting in the driveway the greater thing is about the time that my dad passed away that 31st of march of 2021 About the same time, in a different time zone, out in California, my oldest granddaughter, who was eight at the time, they were in a great service there in Arbuckle, California. The Spirit of God was moving in a great way. And Adeline, my granddaughter, went up to my daughter Hannah and said, Mama, I want to be saved. Uh, She had no idea what was happening and what had just happened. To her great-grandpa Sumner, uh-huh. but Hannah led little eight-year-old Addie to the Lord. So at the same time that one soul was leaving the confines of this earth and going to glory, there was a new name that was written down in uh-huh. glory. That was a tremendous thing to think of the faithfulness of God. When my dad died, didn't have a burial plot or anything. We found out that his best friend, when he deeded the house to our ministry, there were two grave plots in Skytook, Oklahoma, and it was included in that will for the ministry to receive. So my dad is buried right across the headstone from his best friend, who was influential in him accepting the Lord as his personal Savior.
2: My goodness. So uh, well.
0: God will be a debtor to no man, <laughs> and not necessarily that God will reward us down the road in material things, sure. but I believe it was just God's way of letting our family know that it pays to not fear, to yes. trust in God with all of our heart. Scripture just was more relevant of trusting in the Lord. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yeah, I will help thee. Yeah, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And even in death,
2: God is faithful. Amen. Uh, That's very powerful, and I appreciate you sharing the rest of that. We tried to get that recorded down there at Gilbertown, and (laughs) my recording equipment wouldn't work. I'm glad it worked out like it has because I'm glad for Brother Brad and Brother Dustin to get to sit here and and hear that part of the story in person. Amen. I have many heroes in the faith, but I consider you guys my heroes in the faith Perfect. absolutely. Your humility shines through, and you guys are just so real and you shared this weekend as well as down at Gilberttown how God's still blessing y'all's ministry and your mom and dad's, you know, desire to do something for God still carries on, and that inspires me. It really does. I, I thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, brother Dustin, do you have anything you want to end up with?
0: No, just tremendous. Oh yeah, I'm just I'm going out on a serious note.
2: Oh, <laughs> this is kind of rare. <laughs> so unlike
0: you, and brother I want to Dustin. say thank you for not singling me out tonight. On the stage, you—I was at your mercy, and you had pity on me, and I thank you for it, dear sir,
2: Brother Sumner. Yes. For those of you uh, that are listening, Brother Sumner taught us all a song in Spanish. Yes, yes, and it went really well. Very good. So expect good things coming up on Pod Me from Brother Dustin.
0: <laughs>
2: hey, God bless you.